Hello and welcome to another episode of For What It's Worth. I'm Evan Lucas, InvestMart's Chief Market Strategist, and joining me in the hot seat this week is Steve Sanamartino, Australia's leading futurist and keynote speaker. Steve, welcome to the program. If we can't not look at this year and, and really sort of talk around the massive increase again in, in the talk around what digital currency will look like, what digital sort of transaction is going to look like in 2019, it's been a big, big return for, for what is colloquially known as, as cryptocurrencies and a term I'll probably talk about in a minute why I hate it, uh, with Bitcoin up or what, you know, over back in towards as much as 13,000 US dollars a coin. You've got the talk around what Facebook is doing with Libra and how that could actually look like into the future. Probably the first thing let's start talking around is from your point of view, can you fully explain how cryptocurrency first and foremost is working and how it's supposed to work and how you can actually see it being a useful tool going forward. And then I want to talk to you about the other side of that. Yeah, I want to start off by saying that currency itself, even though it's a myth that we all need to buy into, the idea of currency is that it's a form of technology. And every uh, epoch in human civilization where we've invented new technology has actually brought a new currency along with it which is really interesting. Few people look at this when we look at all the revolutions humans have lived through. So commodity money like cowrie shells and shark's teeth, that happened with barter economies. We had grain receipts during the agricultural era. We had ferrous coins during the Iron Age. We had bills of exchange during the Age of Discovery. And we've got fiat currency in the Industrial Revolution, which is government-backed pictures with people's faces on it that tells you something's worth the number 10 or the number 100. And, and it seems inevitable to me that a cryptocurrency or a digital form of currency uh, will, will be inevitable. Uh, what's interesting is that most of those other currencies, actually, they don't actually disappear entirely. It's almost like you get another layer that sits on top. Yep. And, in, and in real terms, we've been using digital currencies for you know, 20 or 30 years anyway. Most of the money in our economy is really just numbers on a computer in any case. But it does seem like uh, cryptocurrencies, I, I actually think they'll emerge. And, and the general idea behind big, uh, cryptocurrencies is they're kind of, they behave a lot more like gold or precious metals or other forms of currency. Uh, and, and the basic premise is that not one person or organisation in any country owns or controls it. So that, that idea um, that there's a fixed amount of it, just like there's a fixed amount of gold on the earth, uh, is what cryptocurrencies are about, is that they can't be used by the government to change uh, the economic system or you know, use it for quantitative growth or quantitative easing by printing more dollars. And so you know, it's a fully distributed ledger and it's kind of anonymous like cash. So you, you, could, you could own it um, in an anonymous way or you could put your name behind it. Um, and there's a fixed amount of it, so it's got kind of a scarcity that that sort of protects it. And Isn't that um, also the problem with it at the same time. I mean, part of the reason we have you know thirteen thousand US dollars to a coin is because of scarcity, and the fact that you have what twenty one million bitcoins in the in the Bitcoin only system, and it's well known that several of the original founding members have have you know removed their hard drives from. The system so it's probably not 21 million it's, it's significant yeah, well, and, and all the bitcoins that you and me and everyone else listening has lost as well right yes, <laughs> you exactly. didn't think it was worth anything yeah. um and look I, but i think that um and and I, I will get to that point that that bitcoin may not be the eventual winner yep 
is 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 the point. But the idea of a cryptocurrency that no one owns or controls that has a potentially um, fixed supply that anyone can trade with anyone in real time for a low cost around the world with no physical borders um, and no one in the middle of the transactions because crypto cryptography allows it to um, cross the borders. I, I think that um, I think that's a really powerful idea, and I think it's a kind of idea we need if you wanted to have a truly global economy. I think that the idea of having a sans nation state currency, like some of the precious metals and other things of value have been, is is something that's really powerful and will emerge. But I think it's a long way off. I actually think it's a really long way off. And we'll probably see a, a number of iterations and small versions of it, just like we saw with the internet. You know, the internet's been around since not long after World War II, but it's very niche and it was very hard to use and it was hard to get into it and and use it in a way so you had a lot of little sub channels internet relay uh, relay chat and a few other things before the world wide web and a really simple user interface emerged and so i think that in the long run cryptocurrency is inevitable that's that's my my belief is that i think that it's inevitable launch of where currency will go but i think it's a really long way off a minimum of 10 years i i next question to that is that is there also the argument that we we're possibly already looking at, you know, adverted commas, as you alluded to at the start of, of digital currency. Fiat currency is online. I mean, the fact that you now have the integration of things like Apple uh, Wallet, the fact that your credit card is now stored on your phone, the fact that you can transact through your banks just through using click technology is a way of, of digital transacting. The fact that you can also store most of your, your banking details online and, and transact that way is... Do you see that as possibly catching up to a point that obviously meets crypto or is crypto because, as you alluded to, has the possibility of eroding borders per se, making it more attractive in the future? Is that yeah. probably the way to argue? Yeah, for me, uh, crypto is more attractive because it can behave like a digital cash where you have in your wallet, you can have an anonymous amount of money in your wallet. You can trade it with other people anonymously in the same way you would, you know, with cash or any other kind of precious metals or other things that have been traded that aren't fiat currency. The fact that it could be um, without the controls and the oversight is the thing that makes it incredibly attractive. And because it doesn't have the oversight, people can't skim margin on top of it. The financial system that we have now is so ensconced in that whenever there's a transaction, someone wants to clip the ticket along the way. Is, is one of the things that, you know, the, the, the crypto anarchists really want to avoid. We should be able to exchange money with each other without someone, you know, taking a, a clip of the ticket along the way, especially given it really doesn't cost them that much. I mean, back in the day, it used to be, you know, hands and pieces of paper and people ticking things off and signing them and making sure the money was here and it went there. It's now all done, you know, in an automated fashion on computer systems and yet we still get, you know, anywhere between 3 and 20% uh, just for the the privilege of exchanging money across borders, when the technology should be able to circumvent that, and so I think that um, even though we can have digital wallets with fiat currency, I think the disadvantages of the fiat currency and the financial system taking you know quite a bit of largesse out of those transactions is the thing that makes a crypto in the long run far more attractive, or even quasi cryptos like Libra. Yeah, and we'll get to the Libra in a minute because. Getting back to that whole point, and as you keep alluding to and talking around the idea that cryptos transact like precious metal and obviously do have a finite amount in them, the other issue that has been thrown at cryptos that are currently around is 
the issue of hypo and hyper inflation that comes with them. So your ability to actually transact with some form of stable base and underlying knowing full well that you've got some store of value coming through with transaction is its problem. Yep. Can you see a way of, of counteracting that issue? Because at the moment, that I think is probably one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing that's going to hold it back. We haven't spoken about you know the technology, blockchain yet, and I'll do that in a minute. But how do you see cryptos getting through the biggest issue at the moment that they are a speculation tool rather than a store of value? Yeah. So one of the things that we need for a successful currency are you know, the six factors that we need. One of them is stability. And that's one of the things that crypto doesn't have. I don't think it'll ever have it. Yeah. And so um, that's that's a fundamental flaw in it is that it will never really have the stability in it. And it won't be stable like gold is because gold isn't as fluid. And so it's uh, it's actually hard to transact. So that creates a quasi form of stability because of that. But um, the idea that it's it can be hyperinflated because there's a fixed supply, it'll never have the stability. But there's one really interesting thing on that is that fiat currencies and cryptocurrencies have two juxtaposed differences to them. So with fiat currency, what we have is pricing stability. So we have stability in the currency because the gears of how much currency is in the market, it gets manipulated by central banks and governments. But what you have is periodic systemic instability because of that because they're constantly adjusting uh, the amount of currency flow to impact things like interest rates and employment and capital infrastructure investment and so on, you have a stable currency, but you have an unstable economic environment where every you know, five or 10 years you get a bit of a bust. The interesting thing with cryptocurrency is kind of the, the opposite. What you have is you have pricing instability, but you have systemic stability. Like Bitcoin is incredibly stable. Uh, in terms of its technology and the technology itself is incredibly robust and it can't be messed with. So the system of crypto is really stable, but its pricing is unstable. And it's almost as though you can't get both of those things at the same time. I think the way that it'll emerge is that, and like I said this, uh, we, we already have it now when you look at commodities trading, we are always comparing in finance reports how the US dollars compared to gold, compared to a barrel of oil, compared to a whole lot of other things, even the Big Mac index where we look at the price of a Big Mac around the world to see what a currency is really worth. It's those, the thing with currencies is you can't look at them in isolation. They're, they're really comparative and purchasing power across different commodities is, is a powerful way to look at it. And I think that the way that cryptocurrencies will emerge is that you'll trade in and out of them to do the international transactions, you know, in light speed, in you know, short amount of seconds, mm -hmm. and um, hoping that you 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 don't get caught. You know, people will provide hedges on your currency on your crypto, like a twenty four hour hedge or something, so that you can do a transaction, and their job will be the speculation against the hedge on that currency. So I actually think you'll get some sort of a hybrid model a little bit like we have now with commodities and dollars and so on, where people come in and out of cryptos to do their international trading in a way that has lower cost and is more fluid, but they'll come back into their home currency. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. And you sort of alluded to the stability side of, of cryptos, and, and that's probably the, the next question is blockchain. I think that is an incredible piece of technology, and it clearly has got a lot of organizations, not just in the, in the, in the crypto digital world, but across the board, very, very interesting. One of the issues that has been thrown at blockchain is speed, uh, as you yeah. alluded to, and 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 sort of the fact that you know if you start getting a heck of a lot of transactions, and we're talking millions and millions per second, how blockchain will cope with that is, can you see it developing to a point that it will be able to handle that level of transaction? 
Yeah, I do. Look, and, and this is where we've got to um, really be good students of technological history. Pretty much every technology that we have now, uh, we at one point had the same concerns that we have with blockchain. It's not mm-hmm. cheap enough. It's not fast enough. There's no, not enough processing power. And, and we, there's something about technology where it finds a way to improve itself. I mean, we even had similar discussions about electric cars. They'll never have the range. And already we have electric cars, you have 500 kilometres, um, no problem. So I think that the blockchain technology, we will find solutions to speed up the process of, of transacting on blockchains. And there's already, you know, quite a few innovations happening in there. It's uh, sharding where you split the transactions up, um, lightning networks. There's a whole lot of little things that have been experimented with on the technology uh, to make it faster and, uh, you know, different ways of putting it into little packets so things get processed in different areas. Um, and we, we saw that with the internet as well, where it was so slow. Um, we thought this thing will never work. We'll never be able to watch you know, live video and, and, and now we're streaming. I mean, one of the things that's really interesting is that it's not just Moore's law. There's, there's laws like Butter's law. Butter's law says that the amount of data we can send down a cable or through a Wi-Fi network doubles every nine months based on software improvements. And so often the way the software gets written, it, it, it improves Mm-hmm. And um, and the way we send the light down the uh, down the fiber optic cables can have a big impact. So I'm really confident that we will solve the technological problems and be able to uh, find a way so that the transactions can happen in real time. So then, going on from that, we've talked around the whole current setup of what a true cryptocurrency, in terms of inverted commas, what it is right now, and we move on to to the next step, which looks like being what Facebook is trying to integrate, which is Libra and how Libra is going to work. <laughs> Putting aside, and I'll come to it in a minute, about what Facebook is and whether or not Facebook should be the one, inverted commas, in control of, of a thing mm-hmm. like Libra, do you see that as being an option considering that obviously they are looking at having it backed by assets and having some form of of slightly more stable, getting to, as you said, your word, hybrid, around a crypto of some description? Yeah, I think that the Libra will be successful in some markets. And and I'm thinking about the classic unbanked, you know, the 1.6 billion people in the world who are uh, don't have a banking capacity, but they might have a smartphone and um, there might be an easy way for them to transact online and, and do better with the, uh, the unbanked. So I don't think that uh, Facebook will succeed in any developed market at all with Libra. I actually think it'll be stopped before it happens is is and 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 any smart government in the world will stop that but i think that the and and they should probably know this uh it's really just a paypal 2.0 it's not a real cryptocurrency and anyone who's looked into it i mean it has some elements of crypto but i i would say that libra is as much a crypto as facebook is as much the internet yeah good answer yeah, and so it, it has these restrictions around it. It's a version. It's a it's an enclave where they've taken some of the technological ideas and sort of put a, a ring fence around it or a walled garden around the idea. Um, I don't think that uh, anyone in a developed market would see any real upside in using it. Uh, I, I can't see any upside in, in using uh, Facebook to transact and, and certainly they're an organisation with very little trust. But I think that in developing markets where you have two things, you have people who don't have access to reliable banking 
And you have, you know, tyrannical governments who are quite corrupt in, you know, places like Africa and parts of Asia and South America. It actually could be a really good way for them to get access to a stable currency. Hyperinflation in, you know, South America and parts of Africa has been a major issue for, for people just to, you know, go about their daily lives, um, buying and selling goods and services. So I think it would be really valuable there. And I can't help but think that that was their original objective. And they're going to use this currency Libra in those developing markets as a Trojan horse to uh, have Facebook uh, integrated into those markets and, and solidify the position of Facebook in developing markets. So actually, that's actually what I think their strategy is. My, my take on the whole Libra and Facebook is a little bit more cynical than, than that. I actually see it as Facebook looking at trying to create a marketplace to really take on an Amazon. And Amazon would be well and truly all over this. They would, in fact, to a point would be saying, yeah, no, 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 you are, you are not controlling, you are not taking over the behemoth that we've created. They've obviously almost got a monopoly themselves. And you can look at what somebody like Mark Zuckerberg thinks and does. He wants to control the world in, in my personal point of view. And <laughs> if he created a market on Facebook using a Facebook currency to transact on their market, it all means he's got control of that. Now, there is no way that an Amazon isn't going to, A, take him up on that and, B, probably find a way to possibly outdo him. You've also then got Google who come into this as well who – have advert revenue but also market transaction from all of those players that are on the net, not just a Facebook marketplace that will hit them. So I agree that Facebook, I Libra, I don't think will work in developed worlds for regulation, but I also think competition is going to get him as well. And and I think the bigger end of town, particularly, as I said, Google, Amazon, I haven't even talked about an Apple, they are going to find ways to say no. I know Libra has a tie-up and wants to do a tie-up with Visa and MasterCard, but they will yeah. bend with the wind. And, and, and I, I think you'll see an Apple come through with technology and Amazon come through with technology that will probably draw them back away from a Libra. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I agree with you. I think that Zuckerberg is an absolute megalomaniac and he wants to control the world. I mean, let's just be honest. He, yes, he um, has seconded the internet. He, he doesn't believe in the internet. He just believes in Facebook. Facebook is the internet, basically. That's what he's – and he's done a – a damn fine, you know, job of the evil genius, I guess. Um, he's he's done a, a good job of um, basically taking the idea of the internet, which was connecting people, right, and he's just turned it into a walled garden. Um, and his objective is, is to do more of that. I think you're right. I think the other big tech companies will be, you know, in their boardrooms today, you know, you know, whiteboarding how they're going to get around this. I mean, but one conspiracy theory, uh, Ev, is, is that, yeah, with the talk of antitrust, yeah. this has been put out as a red herring that maybe the whole liberal idea is an idea that he knows probably won't work, but the governments might be just happy to stop that and let him go about doing his normal uh, open, connected, monopolising through the internet without that. I mean, that's that's a conspiracy theory that's, that's going around there. Um, but yeah, the, the idea that you have a currency which is not owned by a nation state that is owned by corporations should send alarm bells ringing around the world. And it is. Uh, it really should send alarm bells ringing to anyone who has any financial understanding of how the world operates. Um, currencies need to be either controlled by government who are, who are represented by the people and voted in or, you know, they represent their country. They're sovereign. But the, the thing that creates sovereignty is currency and armies. They're the two things that create sovereignty. 
Well, if he gets this one up, then he's getting one step closer to a sans nations, you know, borderless nation state. And it should be sending alarm bells around the world, I think, uh, because you don't want to have a private corporation controlling a form of currency. I think that that's not going to end well for anyone. I'd agree. And I, and I, it's more than that. I, I, I Again, the ability to actually talk around value and, and how he talks, you spoke about it right at the start, taking a clip is the other part of this, is how he will make money out of it is you can see yeah. very clearly that he will start taking more than a clip. He will control the spread. So the price that you buy in and the yeah. price that you sell out will just basically widen and widen and widen um, and it will be you know, the fact that you therefore have somebody that is controlling the marketplace as well yeah. means that he can do whatever the hell he wants. So I, I agree. Uh, if, I know we've already spoken about this previously in, in another podcast, but France is already over this. But I think the fact that you saw this week, even the head of Facebook Australia suggesting that, yes, there is a reason, a reasonable argument to be had that, that parts of Facebook should be split up. Uh, there are parts of Google that I'm sure you could make the same argument for in terms yeah. of, of where they sit. And, and that will be something to watch very closely from a market perspective to watch the NASDAQ transact over the next five years because clearly mm. Congress and the Senate are going to get involved and, and that is going to happen. You're already hearing at the presidential democratic elections that you've seen that already have that description. They are clearly on the antitrust movement. If you listen to the debates the Democrats are having already, they are going to line up behind it and the republicans were already there so it will mean whoever gets in power and my personal point of view is that trump will actually hold on but whoever gets in power it will be an antitrust four years in the states and that will also be a fascinating prospect going forward i think they will split up and from an investing um, perspective there'll probably be more value in the sum of the parts than them as an aggregate because these companies um historically if you look at how things get split up, there's usually more innovation because often what happens is you don't need to innovate as much when you monopolize. Mm. And so, you know, if, if YouTube and Waymo were split off Google and WhatsApp and Instagram were split off uh, Facebook, there'd probably be more value in that situation. It's ironic, though, that the only one that isn't being talked about from an antitrust perspective is Microsoft, which is currently valued as, as the, the world's most valuable company, which is kind of weird and ironic. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I think most um, countries have come out now already um, uh, developed economy saying no to um, Facebook. Libra, I know that China already outlawed all cryptocurrency and Facebook's not even allowed there. India have come out and said they're passing a law this week to ban all cryptocurrencies. Uh, America, the Democrats wrote a letter um, to Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg talking about it. Uh, you've got France, Germany, Australia hasn't said much, but most of the developed economies are really saying, yeah, not on our watch. Yeah, and that I think will be something to watch over the, the next 10 to 20 years because it's going to be fascinating for it. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. It's like we've got front row seats at this, you know, the financial Super Bowl, isn't it? It's, it's really interesting times. It's, it's very rare that you get to see such radical change happen right in front of you. It's, 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 um, it really is going to be interesting. It's an, it's an amazing time. Steve, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. That's all for this week. If you're interested in finding out more about InvestMart, where you can find all of our previous episodes, as well as Alan Collar's weekend briefing, thoughts from Australia's best financial commentators, head to investmart.com.au. InvestMart, let's make wealth happen. 